0: how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle Podcast. Jamie Ead's joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 145. I hope everybody's having a great week out there. We're having a good week over here at the world headquarters of the Drum Shuffle Podcast. We've got a special episode for you today. We are going to be joined by our dear friend, Bernie Dressel, right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the U.S., Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red Hickory comes from the center, or heart, of the Hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than White Hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned Red Hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of Red Hickory Drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And don't forget to ask for Lost Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned before the break, we're going to be joined by our really good friend, Bernie Dressel, here in just a moment. Um, Bernie has uh, just stayed busy over the pandemic. Uh, We talked quite a bit about his new record that has been out for a couple of months now called The Pugilist. And I'm just here to tell you right now, if you are a fan of big band swing music, this is a tremendously great record that everybody should have in their library. Uh, We talk a lot about this, but Bernie Not only does he spend a lot of time, you know, putting together these records as the band leader of the BBB featuring Bernie Dressel, um, but he also spends a lot of time and energy to make these records sound incredible. It's mixed in, you know, 7.1 surround sound. Um, It's just an amazing process, and it really is just a phenomenal record that you should have but it's always a treat for me to to keep in touch with bernie and we've kept in touch over the years uh he was on the show back during uh our first year uh bernie took time out to come on and talk with us and you know it's it's been really uh good for me personally just to be friends with bernie uh he's an amazing guy he's always willing to help out somebody in the drumming community. Uh, So I know you're gonna get a lot out of this. So please help me welcome back to the Drum Shuffle, the great Bernie Dressel. Hey Bernie, good afternoon. How you doing, brother?
1: Hey, Jamie, I'm doing very well, unless you've heard something.
0: <laughs> no, not, not in the last fifteen minutes. How's that? <laughs> okay. So and everything's good. You're good. So you know, it's um, it, it's funny. You know, you and I kind of exchange emails every now and then, but we haven't actually had you on the show. I, I had to go back through the archives. It was actually late. 2018 the last time we had you on the show so that's far too long so we've got to Mm -hmm. we've got to we've got to do a better job of keeping our calendars together because uh you know we we can't go three and a half years without having you on the show man (laughs)
1: no no, way i was told there'd be no math
0: Well, well it, 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 trust me when I say this. You, you, if you want to start getting into math, this is going to be a very long interview. Uh, so let, let me take my shoes and socks off. Um, um, it, but you know, it's been quite quite some time. And um, you know, first of all, let me let me do this. You know, we we go back a long way. How, how have you been doing through the whole pandemic? You're you're an LA guy and I know that the shutdown was a lot different for you in California than it was for me here in Kentucky. How have you been?
1: Well, you know, everyone has gone through just, you know, not a good time. I mean, you know, when you talk about when's the last time we did this or when's the last time we did that? I always say, well, just add two years for COVID. And then it's always longer than we think here as as stuff kind of went by here. But You know, for many people, especially musicians and artists that uh, were shut down and it was our income and not, uh, you know, no income coming in. You know, you couldn't go do concerts. You couldn't go to the studio. You know, you started to go, okay, we need to record from home. But, you know, with some of the studio work that I do most, most of is film and TV. And that means they had to be recording. Uh, shooting film and television shows and even they were shut down so it just cascaded even though you go oh you could record from home but there was not as much to record on so yeah uh it was tough you know emotionally you're also uh what do you call it uh cooped up so there's that that kind of you know i don't know what they call that stockholm syndrome or something (laughs) where, where you're you know you're you're, you're not getting out enough or seeing people. And and for me, even recording, I love to play for audiences and hear a reaction. I mean, that's why I got into music was seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and the reaction to their great music. But, you know, obviously they were good, but seeing that crowd, just loving it and having a great time. And so when I play, I mean, that's even though sometimes it's a pain in the butt to schedule gigs with my big band, you know, 16 people in it. And, put out the advertisements for it, et cetera, and uh, work your way, get get a set list. Oh, second trumpet is going to sub out here two days before. Okay, et cetera. You get on the stage and it it all means everything. You know, it's great. So not having to do that, very tough on uh, uh, emotionally, you know, on people and myself, not to mention economically.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's just... You know, and, and I don't want to certainly make this uh, about COVID and, and all the craziness that's gone on. Right. But, you know, I, I, it's um, you know, it's just been so crazy to me because you said the word cascade, because that's very true, because it cascades even down from there to, you know, drum techs, guitar techs, uh, lighting uh, technicians, you know, sound techs, it, it, the whole industry shut down. For a solid eighteen to twenty-four months, and now that we're, yeah. you know, starting to see daylight at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, um, I, I just wonder how different the world is going to be going forward for all of us, really.
1: Right. Well, I'm interested too, because, like I said, I was, I've been, even as they were shooting stuff again. I have a home studio or studio on premises you'd say where uh I up my ante on uh mic prees and mics uh, uh for stuff I had before and really learned pro tools even more as far as uh editing and stuff that came in handy for recording uh my band's record but the uh you know going through all that and uh you know it'll be interesting as as much recording as I've done now as we're up and running again, both at home and in the studio, it'll be interesting. at the At the uh, quote unquote at home studio recording, will continue as much as it's been, or not. Or I always felt like I was ahead of the game, like about ten, fifteen years ago when I was recording in my in my own studio for people, but it wasn't often enough. And people generally don't want the drummer playing alone. You know, they want the rhythm section together or whatever. So it was few and far between, I'd, I'd call it, not that, oh, yeah, I was doing a lot of recording at my place. It, in the honesty, it was, it was few and far between. So I went, okay, enough of that. That's not enough to keep it going. But then COVID hit, and I hadn't recorded at my place in five years. And I went, oh, okay, i got to get this going again. This looks like this is going to be in this, you know, the way to go. Now is the time. So... Um, it'll be interesting if that continues as much as it's been over these, I call it the last year and a half, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and and, you know, that's a perfect transition, you know, into talking about the record and I want to make sure I get my dates right, but the record was officially released in November of 21. (laughs) Is that correct?
1: That's right. It's, I'd call it a soft release. Because, you know, the name of the album is called The Pugilist. And the name of the band, which, again, I made a mistake of making it such a long band name, but it is what it is. It's called The BBB Featuring Bernie Dressel. That's the whole band title. Uh, all capital letter, you know, featuring it. So, um, and for people looking for the record, my name has one S in Dressel. But, um, so, you know, Releasing the record, we did a live concert, and hey, you can get the re- record here at the at the gig at uh, Herb Albert's Vibrato Grill in L.A. You know, and then I put it on my website for sale, etc. And but I wasn't doing any radio yet. We didn't start radio uh, uh, getting it to radio stations till January, or even you know, for getting to you know people like yourself trying to get the word out. If I wasn't so concerned about, oh, we've got to get these interviews going. We've got to do this. It's November 20th already. You know, <laughs> it's always a, it, or it, to me, I feel like it's not important about when the record was released that everything has to sell right then. It's a constant stream of sales of people finding out about the record, like when, uh, when this, you know, your podcast gets aired, someone new will hear about it that hadn't heard about it before, and then they'll, I'll get, uh, you know, they'll want to buy the record. Which is interesting, also, because I've always been a don't put it on Spotify person, and or Apple Music streaming services, title, etc. Even though I pay my ten dollars a month to listen to all the people that do put their music there, um, I'm not gonna. I feel after spending, you know, whether it's 30000 to $50,000 recording an album to just go, here it is for free, everybody. Yeah. And then my feeling is when you put it there on Spotify, people go, "Ah, oh, I can go listen to it anytime. And then they don't. They don't get around to it. Our lives are busy and they forget about it or whatever. Uh, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, whereas when someone purchases an album like we did as kids... You want to play it right away. Yeah. You want to listen to it. So um, this time, uh, I, I I've always put it on my website, but this time I even put digital download for the Pugilist on the website, uh, CD and surround sound Blu-ray, um, and I chose not to even put it on Amazon. Oh my gosh, Bernie! <laughs> Why not? You know. But what I saw. It used to be, and like for the second album, burn, 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 they go, okay, we're out of burn, 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 send 15 more, send 25 more. And now it started to become, we're out of this burn, 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 send three more. <laughs> and they, they don't want to stock as much there in their warehouses. And then it sells out quickly. And then when someone goes to buy it, it says, not available.
0: Well, yeah, and, and, people, and, and you don't want to get in the mail order business where you where all you're doing is you know, restocking some Amazon warehouse somewhere. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You don't have time for that.
1: But at three at a time. but yeah. so what I don't have time for is what I'm doing now is is taking the orders myself and sending it to people. But then I can sign it. It's more personal. and uh, but I, I also saw during the pandemic. Uh, Gordon Goodwin, big fat band album. One available, Amazon, one available, $130.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And and wouldn't you know, that one never sold. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't, <laughs> and you, then, wouldn't you know it? And then Amazon won't go, hey, we're out, we need more. So I chose not to play that uh, losing game this time. And I So people, when they look it up, where can I buy? Oh, it's at com. Yeah, that's where you can get it. And even Apple iTunes, which I go, well, give it to them. What's wrong with that? Well, people, if I would tell people, go find it on Apple iTunes, they they would try to find it and they go to Apple Music by mistake. Yeah, because I think iTunes store is kind of hidden by Apple. They want people to not sell music that way. So they're into the subscription thing where they make more money. And so I think they hide it. People go, I can't find it. Or on Apple uh, Apple uh, Apple Music, it'll say, not here, yeah. not available here. And they thought they were looking at iTunes Store, and it's, and so they stopped looking. So I'm, I'm just tried not to even put it in those. And and I think I'm selling more than I have. It's getting more radio airplay than it's before. You know, as a third album maybe by the band, or it's just more radio friendly or they know me or they love the album more but uh you know the highest we got before was like 97 on one album 78 on the other this time we got up to 23 and it's still on the top 50 of the airplay after eight weeks so um anyway so good things happening with it but i've i've used a different approach to getting the music out there
0: yeah well and you know i mean we could talk for days about the ills of the industry, so to speak. But, you know, I, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole or I'm yeah. going to try not to. But, you know, I've been listening to the record now for about a week um, and, you, you know, did some deep dives on it. And and I want to say, I want to set this up the right way. The, the first two BBB featuring Bernie Dressel records were done at Capitol Records, Um, this record was done under COVID lockdown. And this was done without any of you guys being in the same room at the same time. And I just want to go on record and say, I know how legendary Capitol Records studio is. I, I know how great the first two records sounded. I think this one's better, Bernie. I really mean that because you put this together yourself you know, one one horn at a time, so to speak. And it's amazing.
1: Well, thank you very much. And that that's just about all true. First album was a live album, but the second album, Live and Burn, the second album, Burn Burn Burn. Yes, Horns were at Capitol. I I actually did the drums at Sunset Sound, actually. Oh okay. Alone. And uh but I actually didn't really tell people that. Now I'm telling you. You've just broken the story. Good. Okay. So, uh, but I played alone to a click track at, on that second album. And then, but it was tunes we had played also in the clubs and had been playing. So it was all in my head also along with the charts and then the click and playing to that. And then we, you know, put all the horns on at once. Then put the bass on. Then put the guitar on. This time, we hadn't. We've only played maybe five of the fourteen tunes live, and and two times before COVID hit. So they were not in my head. Th- those five, maybe a little bit, you know, obviously, but uh, the other, uh, I was told there'd be no math. Other nine tunes, <laughs> uh, i never we'd never played them before. So I got MIDI demos to play too. and so. Because there was nothing in my head uh, except seeing the charts. So playing the, the MIDI demos is how I did it. Again, at my home studio, you know, 15 microphones on the drums. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, me being, you know how this goes. You're the engineer. You're the producer. You're the player all, wearing all those hats. And not only did I play one drum part, I played a second drum kit parts, sometimes with buckets or metallic sounds, like stuff that I use on Spider-Man, like the Spider-Man kit, I call it, or on Zootopia where it's all metal, not heavy metal, but metallic sounds. I did some of that kind of stuff or buckets, you know, instead of conga drums, I played buckets, you know, on this Cuban tune uh, called Loodaloo's Back in Town on on the Pugilist. But I have two different drum parts going on at once. So on surround, I put the second player, me, in the back speakers and the main kit in the front. So I am playing with myself on this
0: album. Oh, easy. This is a G-rated show, Bernie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? I am. And then I played with the other musicians one at a time. They played with me. Like And then the lead trumpet, he's not getting to hear all the other horns. How about him, you know, all the screaming high trumpet stuff? He's playing the MIDI demo and my drums. Then second trumpet. Then uh, third and fourth trumpet I sent, same time. Then I sent uh, bone, lead bone, then lead alto. Then I started filling on in the bones and then the saxophones and then finished out with the lowest instruments, the baritone sax and the bass trombone. Then put on the bass, and then this time a new, uh, different bass player who's from Serbia. His name is George, George Stiapovic. And uh, so there's a lot of, well, a lot for a big band record. It's about 30 percent of the album is slap upright bass, and it kind of alludes to my time at the Brian Setzer Orchestra and the rockabilly thing. So, um But, yes, so we're playing one at a time. And then guitar and keyboards came on at the end. But, again, one at a time. Now I'm taking all these parts in during COVID. One thing at a time, listening to one guy play or one gal play, and then going, okay, that's that's cool. That sounds way better than MIDI, you know, and then watch it grow with human players coming on. But the thing is when humans play together, you, you adjust pitch-wise and also, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, timing-wise, that if one person's a little ahead, w- the other person will kind of migrate to them or they're apart a little bit, behind and ahead. They'll come together because they're sitting right next to each other in the horn section or the bass player and the drummer. When When you add to a player that doesn't hear you, it's a one-way street of adjustment, not both adjusting to each other. So this... You know, cascaded down along the way of, which means they're not quite together some of the time. Sometimes it's great, sometimes a little. You know, not to mention like uh, we, they cut offs on the note where they go, da. Maybe the other person goes da, just a little too long. Yeah. And so some of that stuff that I my editing chops came in where I learned this through COVID to like, okay, I need to kind of tighten that up a little bit. But without destroying it, we're still humans. If you make things perfect, it sounds like a keyboard. It's boring. There's no drama. Like, are they going to make it? There's something that the human listening to registers that, like, big deal. This doesn't really do anything for my heart or my soul as I listen. But when it's a little bit loose but tight enough, that's where, you know, you might go, oh, wow, check out Tower of Power. They are so tight. But if you put them on a grid, you might go, wow, they're not as tight as I thought. Well, yeah. But it yeah. feels good. You know, the feel is there and it's human and it's pretty darn tight for humans. So um, that's what I had to be careful of. I did some editing with possibly some intonation a little bit here or there or timing to, like, bring it together but not too much. And so I think I did that, where it it's just, it, people go, I can't believe you guys didn't play together.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and it feels I mean, like they're together. Y- you know. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, I put it on, and you know, the opening track is called the the Pugilist, and you know, I, I I thought it was just so cool that you know the very first thing you hear on the record is just kind of a snare drum roll that literally sounds like a boxer punching somebody, and then you hear the bell ring. And it's just, you know, the the record just blasts out, and it's like, wow. And that was the first thought I had was, I can't believe these guys aren't in the same room together. I mean, I literally blew my mind after I knew how the record was put together. It was hard for me to fathom that you guys weren't playing together in a room.
1: And then, of course, you know, as a drummer, when you play, thank you, when you play first, and even though there's MIDI there or whatever, you play first, you, the MIDI's not the same as a human either. Just, it's hard to tell, well, that's a high MIDI trumpet note, but how high is it? Like when you really hear the human guy, like, oh wow, they're screaming there, that's really hot. You can hear the angst in their yes. chops, bleeding, and you go, oh, I need to be hitting this harder there. So trying to do that and just kind of feeling like where I think it should be going, uh, when I'm not really hearing them, and uh, uh, also, you know, if you don't hear as much going on, you might move around on that click a little more, uh, so, you know, trying to keep it, you know, where it's it's feeling good, you know, and not just, and not to mention, I, you know, two drum set parts, and, you know, and I, as I'm doing that, I go, you know, no one wrote two drum set parts. I go, well, what should I do? You know, my idea is, wow, we, this is the third album we're releasing in surround sound, and uh, 5.1 and oro, oro 3D 9.1 with vertical height ch- channels of surround that's on the Blu-ray, 96K, 24-bit, um, to, put, uh, to have the two drum set part. Okay, what should I do with that? Should it be like James Brown, just two normal drum sets? well, this is swing and jazz most of the time, big band. Um, what can I do that hasn't been done before? Because, you know, there's been a lot of big band albums. So it's always cool when you can try and do something a little new or like hybrid with different things like the Setzer and the Elvis Rockabilly slap bass. Or on fast swing, like when I'm at 290 beats per minute on I, I uh, that's a fun tempo, you know. It's, some bands don't even get to that, that fast swing tempo, or they do a little bit. So I like playing up there those tempos, but I went, okay, what can I do with the second drum part on that? And so it would either be with like, um, like a weird crasher by Sabian or metal sounds by Keplinger, um, and or again, the buckets, like uh, the rubber buckets, and even uh, on the Cuban tune, I did a 55-gallon dollar bucket, uh, 55-gallon, not dollar, gallon bucket for a bass drum, um, along with the real bass drum by the other drummer and me. And, uh, you know, going, so what can I do? I go, well, you know, Weather Report, they used to do like a halftime you know, whether it was with Peter Erskine or whoever, they would do like a halftime backbeat on the swing. There's a tune called Night Passage on the album Night Passage uh, by Weather Report. I go, oh yeah, there's like a... So almost hip-hop in a way, you know, that it's that's the shuffly thing, but halftime backbeat. I go, okay, well, I'll play the, the, the first drummer, we'll play all traditional big band, and then I'll have the second drummer in the back almost being a little more hip-hop with that halftime backbeat. And that happens on a few tunes. I go, okay, well, that's dressing it up in a new way. And then it still starts to sound good in stereo as you don't have the separation of the front and back of the surround. And, and subtle enough that it doesn't destroy everything, That is way too much going on. So I hope, you know, trying to do that, you know. Sometimes with the swing or, or like in the funk, there's a tune called uh, Rico's Rowdy Rumba. That, again, you know, if you do a funk tune with a big band or rock, straight A, it can sound kind of dated if you're not careful. And so this was written in 3-4, so not traditional 2-4 and four back bit, backbeat, but they're... In that, there was like this metric modulation sounding of one e and a two e and a three and a one e and a two e and a three and where I would put that over the top of it in the secondary drum set or even as the main drum set some of the time jumping on that. So uh, even while the whole saxo in the middle of that tune goes into that 4-4 four, four shuffle metric modulation. So I tried to do some weird things too when it comes to straight eighth with the big band so it's not just, everybody put your hands together, two and four, <laughs> you know, and listen yeah. to this instrumental big band. So, um, and in fact, the last tune, I was kind of thinking like, Like, some of my production ideas come from the way the Beatles would do stuff, and I grew up on them and tried to bring some of their ideas of production into big bands, you know, uh, and my records, this third album. And um, the last tune, I think of, like, well, you know, on Revolver, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, it's like a tune, like, almost did, like, what is that on that album all of a sudden with the loops they were doing and and the, the chanting and all the, loop, the tape loops of noise and stuff. I go, okay, well, okay, let's put on a Zappa tune at the very end of this album. And, and it's rock, and it does eventually get the two-on-four on, like, the sax and guitar shredding solos. But the, uh, you know, the tune, like, here, I had to pull out the chart just to look. It's like three-four. Five sixteen for two bars, bars. A bar of two four. A bar of five four, but every beat is divided into fives. Then we arrive at a, a groove for four bars in fifteen sixteen. Now we go to four four. And so, uh, gosh, he barely got out of the gate here, and there's like six time changes there. Um, but it's a vocal tune too, and all that weird time signature stuff, and Zappa's beloved and. So we, I finally got some vocal tunes on a BBB album. I always said, there's no piano in the BBB. There could be keyboards on the album, but no piano ever. That's a rule for the BBB. There will be no vocalist ever that will come <laughs> up and sing one song. The lovely blah, blah, blah would like to bring her up and sing one song and then sit down. Yeah. Uh, so I went, oh, we've got two trumpet players that can sing. So Tony Bonsera, one of our lead trumpets, he's singing the Zappa tune and all the background vocals, and uh, he's a big Zappa fan, and he sounds great on it. I go, okay, that's how we can get a vocal tune where it makes sense for someone to pop out of the horn section and sing a tune, and then go back and blast their uh, lips away some more on lead trumpet. and. The second, or the the other the other vocal tune on the album is a COVID-related tune,
0: which is great. Called, by the way, it's great. You know,
1: what's the it's what's it called? Positive,
0: uh, positive for yeah. the blues.
1: Yeah, and it really should be. Uh, I tested positive <laughs> for the blues, <laughs> yes. so you finally get that in the as you hear the tune, you know. But uh, but yeah, that's Carl Saunders who used to play with Buddy Rich you know, and he's singing and scouting on that. And again, part of the band and the funny story about Carl is, you know, he's been around a while. He's very great, you know, very good, very opinionated. And he got fired by buddy rich three times.
0: Didn't everybody that played in buddy Rich's band get fired three times.
1: <laughs> no, not three times, maybe one. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe not everyone got fired, but, um, uh, he got fired three times and so he, and his saying is well bernie you know that means the good thing is i did get hired three times meaning that buddy loved him enough to want to hire him back yeah but uh yeah carl was kind of opinionated about stuff and uh i guess buddy told carl it's okay if you if you it uh if you say something to me, but just don't do it in front of the whole band like that, like almost challenging the leader, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so Carl goes, okay, but well, don't fire me in front of the whole band. <laughs> but well, yeah, so that's Carl yeah. well, it, singing and got captured him on 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 the album singing. Well, yeah.
0: And that's a great tune, you know, and that was the first thing that really jumped out to me as I was you know, I, I try to sit down and listen to the record as it's meant to be listened to. And that's start to back, right? You don't skip around. That's the way I grew up listening to records. Um, and that's
1: the way I tried to put the album together with tempos, styles, and like, again, ending with the Zappa tune even.
0: But it really caught my attention because you get to that tune and I was like, oh my God, There's there's vocals on this. This is amazing. You know, so it's... It was a nice change of pace for a BBB record to me, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I'm with you. It makes sense to have one of your horn guys come out and sing a song rather than bring somebody out from the green room to sing one and then kick them off the stage to continue yeah. the show. That do- it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. for you guys. Yeah, yeah. but um, I, you know, I I don't want to over say state this, but. As with all of your records, this thing sounds amazing. It really, really does. And you know, if if any of my listeners are out there and they're they're like, "Well, you know, I don't know. Do I want to just get a digital download or do I want to spring for the Blu-ray?" I'm telling you right now, spring for the Blu-ray. It's it's mm-hmm. amazing. You're. Yeah. Thank you. Your dinner parties it- will never be the same if you put this thing on in Blu-ray at a dinner party. Everybody's going to be like, what the hell is that?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it is interesting, too, about, you know, Blu-ray. Like some people that go, I don't have a CD player anymore or in my car. I go, well, do you have a DVD player? They go, yeah. I go, that plays. The CDs. Yes. They go, oh, I didn't think about that. But if they have a Blu-ray player, they might not have the back speakers, you know, for the surround, 5.1 even. Uh, most people don't, definitely don't have 9.1. Some people do, though. But the 5.1 is like to hear your birds chirping, you know, on your movies or whatever, or car crash in those back speakers. Well, on this regard then you're you're surrounded by all those horns and the band and the two drummers and it's pretty exciting but even if you don't you get the blu-ray people go 96k 24-bit can you do you can you hear the difference does it really sound better and i when i when i play it through my system i i I hear the difference. I don't hear it so much on my phone when I hear those 96K24. It might be the, what do you call it, the, uh, the 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 A to D converter on the iPhone. I don't know. But when I play it on the Blu-ray player, I feel a happier, fun, I enjoyed that more. I can't go, oh, that seemed brighter. There's something more real about the 96K24 bit and the Blu-ray where the stair-stepping of the waveform... It is, you know, not, is more, you know, and not so s- squared off in bigger chunks. It's almost straighter to like a, a tape, you know, or vinyl in that sense. Now, I did release the first album on vinyl and uh, live and burning, so you can get that at my website, but I haven't done vinyl yet. Uh, I'm the jury's still out. If I'm going to do vinyl again on the pugilist, well. probably, but we'll see. I said that about burn, 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 and then I didn't.
0: Well, it's really expensive, as you know. And, and, you know, I mean, look, I I think a lot of people are going to the vinyl thing, and I don't know if it's out of a sense of nostalgia or if they truly believe it sounds better. You know, I mean, I've got a record player. I own some things on vinyl. I, I, I just think that, so many music consumers. Okay, this is going to be my one statement on this. Music consumers never consume an album the way the artist intends. And I, I, I don't. I'm not trying to offend anybody by that. But we don't buy whatever format of music and listen to the whole album anymore. We haven't done it for 25 years now the way the artist always intends for you to listen to a record is to sit down and listen to the record, not track seven, not track 12. They want you to sit down and listen to it as a work. Am I wrong in that, Bernie?
1: Totally. Well, uh, in my case, totally correct. Um, I, you know, I grew up again, growing up on the Beatles and I'm going, Hey, we want the album to be like this, like the English. Releases, not the American releases, all cut up. And, you know, when Sergeant Pepper ends with Day in the Life and the big chord at the end, you know, Burn, 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 I kind of had, like, the clarinet choir do a soft C major chord at the end, uh, kind of a surprise chord. They were on the album earlier, and suddenly they come back at the end. So I really try to think about the whole album and, you know, like the sequencing, and some people told me, wow, what a good sequence of... The the way the tunes run from one to the other, et cetera. And like even that fight bell you mentioned at the front, on the Pugilist at the end of the Zappa tune, I snuck it in there on the end and said, and then I, ding, ding, ding. yeah. So meaning three bells at the end of a fight is the end of the fight. I learned this. One bell is the beginning of the round. So, 14 rounds on this, on this album, 14 songs. Try to make it an album, yes. But, and that's another reason I'm not selling individual downloads like Apple does. Um, I'm just selling the whole album for 10 bucks on my website. $9.99.
0: <laughs>
1: and, uh, um, so, uh, uh, yes, I, de- I definitely think that way. I like that, the whole album. I do tell some of my friends that when I buy it, I go, make sure you're leaving enough time to listen the whole thing through you know, because that's the way I tried to record it and have it be, how long is this one? 65? Uh, I don't remember. It, it's
0: 6320. Yeah. It's 6320. somewhere in there. It's, 20. it's an hour yeah. of, of listening, but yeah. it's, you know, yeah. it, 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 as, you know, as always with you, everything sounds incredible. And one of the things that we didn't get to the last time we had you on the show, we, we just touched on it very briefly but you you mentioned earlier 15 mics on the kit when you recorded this and i just mm-hmm. want to say you know i know that you've had a long association with craviato drums um mm-hmm. man your kit sounds incredible on this record i I, Thank you. I whatever you did you got it dialed in and it sounds so good so for the listeners that are drummers, which let's face it, most of my listeners are going to be drummers, um, this is a master class in how to record a drum set.
1: You want me to tell you real quick? I'll, sure. Okay, I'll tell Please. you. Please. So I I used ATM25s ATM on the bass drum uh, close mic and on the toms. That's a dynamic mic that's discontinued. Still can get them on eBay. Then on the snare, I put two, uh, instead of the Shure 57, I put the Beyer 201, twice as much as a 57, still only $200 dynamic mic, but it has a lot of condenser quality to it. And then, what did I use? Oh, yeah, the Josephson E22S for the condenser. Then I put a Shure 50, no, Shure SM7B on the side of the snare like the A&F guys do uh, when they're, they're showing you their, their videos. Um, that kind of gets the snare side, kind of rattle, whatever, of the snares. Then I did uh, overhead. Uh, AEA mics and pre's are very prominent on this album, as it was on Burn, Burn, Burn. Uh, an R88 on the overhead, which is a bloom line stereo, and another R88 about eight feet in front of the kit in a... Let me tell you this, right? This I recorded this in my apartment living room. <laughs> of course you Meeting did my, the drums.
0: Yeah, so because yeah. okay. wh- why not?
1: So you know, put up the blankets around the room, close the curtains, the sofas, knocking stuff down, pillows around, and that—that's you know how I recorded it. And so the bass drum, I told you that, and then also a uh, what's it called that, like uh, like a Yamaha sub kick. Yeah. on the on the front uh and then uh, but an r44 aea r44 about 12 inches in front of the bass drum and different bass drums for different tunes you know for the swing and big bands i'm using the what i use you know i use for the bbb a long time a 26 inch craviato that's poplar mahogany poplar and 26 by 14. but then when some of the tunes are tighter i would use a 24 inch ash or the La Vienne Rose when I went, Oh, I want to be different on this one and do kind of a little more intimate kind of thing. I used an eighteen inch bass drum on that one, uh, Ash Bass drum. It's this yeah, the Ash, those ash Bass drums in that kit, Pink Sparkle, B V Sparkle, Bernie Vicky Sparkle, was the last kit Johnny signed. And he said, Does Bernie know he's getting pink? <laughs> yeah. But uh so that's what else is there? Something on the hi hat? What did I use in the hi hat? Because I've recently switched. Oh yeah, the uh, the the old uh, Zeppelin uh, the room sound one, uh, the buyer ribbon. What is it? Fire one sixty on the hi hat. I think that's sixteen. Yeah, well,
0: it's it, it just sounds Not fifteen,
1: fifteen, <laughs>
0: so good. Sounds so so good. So. You know, I mean, uh, look, and and I know you do all kinds of stuff. I mean, and we can touch on it if you want, but, you know, I know you did the Spider-Man movies and you've got a a new, uh, what is it, Despicable Me 3 that's getting ready to come out that you did. You know, you go into all these different studios. I'm curious, you know, when you go in and and presumably, you know, Cartage has has brought your kid in and you go in and you're Mm -hmm. reading a chart on one of these scores Um, how much are you picking up from your engineering brain? You know, are you looking to see what mics they're using? Are you stealing some of those ideas or borrowing those ideas? Or are you really just there to play?
1: We steal from everybody. Okay. You know, musically. So, sure, looking what they do. But then, you know, during COVID, like going to someone's YouTube channel that's talking about what they do. Or going to AEA's channel to see how they they're recording some things with their ribbon mics. And like for you know, so part of this not only learning Pro Tools, I used to be digital performer and editing also on Pro Tools, et cetera, just dealing with that over COVID and going, Oh gosh, how do you do this? How do you do this? Um and uh um what was I gonna say? Um oh, like uh and then learning about pre's and going, okay, one guy says one thing, one guy says another. Let me hear some audio clips over YouTube. And then throwing down and buying stuff and trying it. So, like, for instance, my pre's are API, are, uh, Brent Averill, uh, API style. Uh, some of the MA5s are like Neve style by Vetus, And then those uh, uh, AEA pre's on the on the on the uh, uh, ribbon mics, but I forgot one important one that I now have two, is I also used a uh, EMI, no, sorry, Chandler recreation, the Red 47 tube pre uh, for uh, a Kohl's overhead. Uh, mono overhead also, along with the stereo AEA. But so using that, I go, wow, that tube. And in fact, we used that tube pre to record. I did record the vocals here. Okay. I had them come over. It was near the end. I go, okay, let's wear masks. And it was a little, you know, still a little, you know, weirder then. But I, I had them come over, cause I, okay, I want you to sing. And, and they sang into the R44 uh, through the uh, Red 47 pre. And, uh, so, um, yeah, so learning all this stuff from reading articles, searching, you know, searching the internet and, uh, seeing what people do there, what they've done, you know? So, I mean, one of the greatest things, and I cried about it even, I cried when this thing was finished. Oh my gosh, I got through COVID. Oh my gosh, there's the album, is something good, there it is, it's done. Uh, but when I did uh, one of the movies, I won't say who it is, but a big engineer, I sent him the drum tracks. And you go, okay, cross my fingers. That he's liking what I do. He's amazing. And I sent him the drum tracks. And he eventually gets back to me. He goes, Bernie, how did you get that bass drum sound? <laughs> I go, oh, my gosh. Well, it sounds so good. I go, well, thank you. You know, it starts with the craviato, You know, it always starts with the instrument. But I did this, and I did. It. He goes, "Well, I know that kind of thing." I go, and then that R forty four out in front of it. oh, you know. And uh, he goes, "Ah, it sounds so good." So, and uh, so you know, I sometimes I'll do something maybe that those guys never never did because sometimes I, you know, I'm in a spot where I have a little more room like to do that room mic thing or I put a ocean way uh, what's it called uh, UAD plug-in of ocean way room on the on the room mic on top of it to make it even sound like a bigger room if I want that or I, I did that on the horns put ocean way room on it and then a plate reverb uh, on the horns because they're just sending me one mic and they're trying to make it sound like they're in a room not just in their tight sounding close bedroom. Yeah. And uh, in fact, one of the tunes, here's a good story. One of the tunes, I, sw- I switched around there a little, uh, one, the, the opening tune, The Pugilist, I said to the guy that invented Oral 3D, he's listening to what we've mixed. And he goes, I go, this, The Pugilist, I feel like, you know, that's not rocking as much as it should. It's the opening track, it's the title track, and to me, it's the worst mix I created on this pre-mix before we went to Belgium to mix it there at, at Galaxy Studios in Moll, Belgium, where Oro 3D was created. Um, and he goes, well, why do you want that tune to be the open? Shouldn't it be this other one? This is I go, no, it needs to be that. That's the name of the album. This, it sets the right mood I want to set, but it just doesn't pop. What can we do? Do your magic. I can't do it. And so what he ended up doing, he put the horns out into the tracking room through two speakers and then set up a decatry of like M50s or I guess Norman M50s, I think, and did a decatry where it's left, right, and center. I got you. And re-recorded the room getting activated by the speakers of the horns. And then he did that again for the drums. So that one tune is that kind of thing. I think Van Halen used to do something like that with, like micing voice of the theater speakers at Sunset Sound or something and recording that to make it sound, you know, like a different sound and bigger. And so we did that. And then the co-producer, Gary Reber, who he like saw Stan Kenton 200 times, he worked with Buddy Rich on one of Buddy's last video projects that he did. He he goes, "Okay, okay, let's do that on every tune. Let's do that. And then the engineer goes, "Nah, I think it's just that one tune needs it." Okay, I said, so uh, done. But that's how we uh, added, like even even a, uh, an extra room sound that wasn't in the in the box per se. Yeah,
0: well, so. it, it, I mean, I, you know, I, I I'm kicking a dead horse at this point, but it just sounds so incredible, Bernie. I mean, it really does. And you know, I, I, we talk on this podcast so much about. How drummers can spend an entire career, 50 years, being a sideman, right? And never really taking control of their career and being in charge of their own destiny. You are the poster child for how (laughs) to do that. You know, I mean, you did everything on this record up, uh, up into selling the darn thing, you know? So you... Now, have full creative control over your own artistic destiny. Y- you know, I-, I I guess the question is, did you do it out of necessity or did it just kind of happen that way?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not necessity because I'm going, I can be a Simon. I can be, you know, you, you look up and you go, yeah, I guess I am doing a lot, quote unquote, a lot of studio work. You know, yeah, you know, it's not like the days of Hal Blaine and John Robinson back then, when they were like all day long, seven days a week kind of thing. But overall, it appears I'm doing some so, so making a good living, as they say, and getting to good do some really good good projects and good music and good people and good writers, and you know, I'm fortunate. But uh, so. And I've gotten to play with Brian Setzer or or go out with Gordon Goodwin's Big Fat Band and do that. So some great, you know, won some Grammys with them. So some great things. But then I go, okay, I'm going to just kind of be studio guy in town. But, yeah, I want to, you know, I had put together like a funk band. We were called Burn, where it was four horns, four singers, five rhythm. And we did like Tower of Power, Shaka Khan, Stevie Wonder, but then we'd mash it up with other things and like mash two Steely Dan tunes together. And it was something we would never record, but we're doing it once a month for seven years uh, and packed places and fun. And look, everyone, I'm not just a jazz player. I'm not just Rockabilly Brian Setzer, I'm playing funk. I'm playing groove music. So it was kind of a dual purpose to show another side of me that maybe not everyone sees, but it was, you know, there I am, you know, doing you know, being quote unquote, the leader, although I wanted to be a co-op, you end up, you know, being a leader, you know, basically pushing things. And then I went, okay, that's done. Uh, The guys don't feel like they're not going, like, when are we playing next? It seems like, okay, seven years of every month. Felt like, okay, I'm not going to book it. See what happens. No one in the band goes, hey, how come we're not playing? I go, okay, we're done. No one's done anything. And then I go, okay, I'm going to start my own big band. I think it's safe to come out of the waters and go back into a big band setting again after... Rice Setzer, you know, because you can get pigeonholed as one style, you know, per se. Yeah. So I go, okay, let me do the big band now. So people know me enough that I do all kinds of stuff, including orchestral percussion sessions, et cetera, um, that I'm, I felt like there wasn't danger. So let me do this big band thing. I think I grew up on this, you know, grew up listening to Buddy and big band, playing in big bands. And um, let me do that. And I'll, I'll do all this fun stuff like... Uh, Maynard Ferguson, Woody Herman, Buddy Rich, the, like classic fun stuff that would be cool to play that I never played before, even growing up, certain tunes. So I did that, and I went, okay, now I've got a big band called the BBB featuring Bernie Drissel. We can't record those tunes. Time check's already been recorded. Give It One by Maynard's already been recorded. All right, so let's get some new, new arrangements, new tunes, and see if we can record because I couldn't record with Burn either, you know, of what we were doing. And it just kind of grew, and I go, okay, I get to have creative control of, I'm not writing the arrangements, I'm not writing the songs, but I'm kind of producing a show or deciding what's going to be on a record and kind of producing in that sense and playing and going, okay, what kind of tunes do I want to play that will showcase me as a drummer that actually gives it a reason to be called my band? where I'm not just a side man. So, you know, featuring the drums, certain tempos, mixing up the grooves, um, et cetera. And then there you go. Now we're looking at what, five years later after three albums or six years, whatever it's been now. And uh, yeah, now I almost go after this record. I go, gosh, I don't know if I can do another one. That was a lot of work. And wow, I don't know. Well, I keep doing this. Do I? I've always quit a live like Brian Setzer or Gordon Gooden after 15 years. Like, I'll quit my own band after 15 years. <laughs> but I quit Burn after seven or eight years, and here's the BBB at six. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> well, I, you, you, I,
0: clearly you're bathing in the fountain of youth, Bernie. I mean, you know, you, you, you're going to do this forever. Well. Look, and I want to be.
1: I do color my
0: hair. Well, that's okay. You know, don't (laughs) don't we all? I'll have to tell you sometime about a gig that I had with a young uh, up and coming country artist, and I was told I needed to dye my hair, and that was my last. (laughs) That was my last gig with them. Um, But all joking aside, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. But you know, I know that you were just recently in Vegas doing some stuff. I know that you're teaching. Is there any hope of, uh, of a clinic tour anytime soon? Because, you know, it's been a while since you've been out there doing that kind of thing. I would love to see you going around doing clinics and master classes uh, again as soon as you possibly can.
1: It's interesting because when I go do those, that means suddenly I get a call for, West Side Story or The Batman or whatever, <laughs> and I go, oh, I got, can't do it. I got this clinic to go to. But that would be like going to do a live gig, too, or whatever. But um, I, I, I like teaching. I used to teach at UNLV for, you know, almost 10 years, I guess it was, eight years or something. <laughs> there's, that, there's that number again. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I was just over there doing a drum set concerto, I played it with the the UNLV wind orchestra about a month ago and then we just recorded it. And uh, so that's something where I might try to see if I can go out and play with and play with some major orchestras and be like the concerto soloist, guest soloist with their orchestras. That way I don't have to bring a whole big band out. But as far as clinics, yeah, I'm, I'm a teacher. I teach, you know, you know, I said, I go, give me five more minutes. I'm tidying up with a student here. Um, and I like it. You know, I got a music ed degree where I, when I went to school at Eastman and performance. But um, so I, I think I do a good clinic. I did one at PAS in Indianapolis. I don't know what that, again, Add two years for COVID. I don't know, it a four years ago, something like that. Um, I think I do an educational one. I'm not up there telling jokes per se, um, even though I'm, I'm better at improvising funny than telling a bit. But um, I uh, I feel like so many drummers want to be doing that, and maybe some that aren't working, that are great drummers, but they're not working as much as me, and they push harder to try to get those, or they're in a style of music where they're in magazines, per se, more than myself. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't feel like they're knocking on my door to do them, but I would do them if they want to set it up. But, um i've done them here and there you know let's say that or if i'm a guest solace with a college or whatever um uh,
0: uh well my but, ne- my um, next call will be know. to steve maxwell and and the folks at craviato to get you out there doing uh you know some master classes and clinics that i'll call sam backo is what i'll do so yeah, okay <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: i mean I, just, I went
1: to the new i did get to see the new uh probably out warehouse in Nashville, you know, that when they moved from San Jose yeah. for freedom and, uh, that it was, and I met Sam and then, but it was just like, the stuff was just showing up there. It hadn't even, it was, it was just barely, you know, stuff laying around. They were just getting ready to get going with it. So I did meet Sam that time. Well,
0: yeah. he is a master craftsman and uh, a wonderful, uh, you know, orchestral player in and of uh, in mm-hmm. and of himself i mean he's just been on god thousands of records and you know uh percussion mm-hmm. with the nashville Symphonies. just a, an amazing guy he's worked on some of mm-hmm. my vintage gear for me over the years and just mm-hmm. I, just I, mm-hmm. just a, a master craftsman so uh craviato and, and, got, got themselves a good man to uh yeah to, and
1: he's come up with that new uh a ply drum for them because Craviato is people don't know has been solid shell one ply drums and it's just amazing uh, no you know hardly any glue then you know because you don't have plies it's one ply to, to glue together uh, but he's created a new uh, uh, drum for Craviato that is a ply drum with a different edge different I go wow what's what are they doing is it's just going to be another ply drum and why, why do that you know but I haven't played them yet but it appears from how they talk about what they're doing, it does seem like it's a different story off of other uh, ply drum shells. So I'll be interested to play one of those too at some
0: point. Well, he, he has worked magic over the years, you know, the, the Nashville era Slingerlands that was all Sam. I mean, he's just so, Mm. so good, but uh, you know, I'll be curious to, to see what all he does with the brand and, um, you know, it, it's going to be amazing, but we're, we're going to do our best to get you out on a clinic tour as soon as you possibly can, because you're just a wealth of information, Bernie. I mean, you, you look, there are a lot of guys that play a lot of styles, you, you know, and I, I just want to say this, you know, I'm a fan of your work, the way that you approach the instrument, you know, a, a lot of guys think, oh, jazz is kind of sleepy and you, you know, that's not you. You bring an energy to the big band genre of music that hasn't been seen for a lot of years. And, you know, kudos to you for doing so. So um, the more you can teach, the better. I'm a, I'm getting
1: goosebumps. Thank you for saying
0: uh, that. You're welcome, man. You know, I mean it too. And I just want to make sure everybody knows they can get the record. It's The Pugilist. They can get the record at BernieDressel.com. I will make sure I have a link up on drumshuffle.com so that folks can just click a link at when they're listening to this and go over and pick up a copy. Thank you so much for taking time to do this, Bernie. I appreciate it. And let's not wait three and a half years next time. All right. Anytime. Tomorrow? yeah sure on, i'm free I, well, okay I could, you know about, about three. i could
1: do the clinic tour and talk with you again yeah tomorrow. absolutely
0: we, we but seriously <laughs> we anytime you have something to talk thank you. about thank you come on here and do it i i love talking with you and uh we're going to send some right. folks your way brother thank you you're welcome Bernie. And,
1: uh, i'll try and i'll try and keep my energy up that you say i have but again my my uh, my espresso machine just broke, so I have to go buy a new one tonight. People go, where do you get your energy, Bernie? I go quadruple espresso. There,
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> g- good luck. You know, I I, I, okay. I hope you find a good deal on a, a new <laughs> espresso machine. So, Bernie, right. as always, thank you so much, brother.
1: All right, thank you, Jamie. Appreciate having, being on your show, and thanks for having
0: me. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode 145 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We simply cannot do this show without each and every one of you uh, streaming and downloading the show each and every week. And we truly thank you for your efforts to, uh, to give us some of your undivided attention once a week. We really do appreciate it. Many thanks to Bernie Dressel for taking time out of his busy schedule to come on the show and talk with us. Uh, It's always a pleasure catching up with Bernie. Uh, As I ask every week, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We really appreciate your efforts around that. Uh, The biggest thing you can do to help our show is share a link with a friend. Uh, That helps us more than you'll ever know. It only takes you a second and it means the world to me. So thank you for doing so in advance. We answer every single email we get here at The Drum Shuffle Podcast. That email address is thedrumshufflepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can always find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. Your homework assignment is as it has been for the last two years. Go out and see some live music before it all goes away. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody.